and welcome to the Low Tox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 17. And I am chatting to one of my favorite people. As I say in the interview today, I take her everywhere I go, every e-course, every everything, because she just has a beautiful, conversational, relaxed style of delivering really important and wise information. Shalani McRae, a holistic practitioner, uh, interfaith minister, and a whole bunch of other stuff under her belt, uh, as well as being a nurse in the normal uh, conventional medical model. So before I hook in today's chat, I obviously want to remind you that we have a wonderful partner offer this whole month of November from Etitude. And these guys are doing beautiful work in the area of sustainable bedding with their 100% organic uh, bamboo lyocell uh, bedding and one of my favourite things about this bedding range is their closed loop system where they recycle water up to 200 times in their production. Uh, that's the nerdy environmental chicky in me getting excited but if you get excited about very soft, gorgeous, luxurious sheets at around 30 to 40% cheaper than the leading luxury bedding brands because they don't have physical shops so they pass all of that saving on to you, then you have to make the most of this. I mean, what a brilliant Christmas present to gift a sister, another family member, um, your wife, your husband, because then you both win. Uh, You know, I think it's just a great time of year to invest in something gorgeous like this and gift it to yourself or to someone you love with our very special code, which is sleep better through our special link, which is in the show notes today. And you can find the link to the show notes. It's always there at the end of the show. But if you wanted to write it down right now, so you don't forget, it's lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And then just click on today's show, show 17, and it will take you straight to that special link that you have to go through to get 10% off. So I will leave you with the show. We have had such a great chat all around anxiety. I absolutely love the information and the wisdom that came from this talk and I know you will too. And here she is, Shalani McRae. How are you? I'm really well, Alex. Thank you. Uh, it's so good to have you on the show. I, For people who haven't heard from Shalani before, I will have you introduce yourself properly in a second. But She's somewhere I take with me everywhere I go. I have interviewed her in every e-course I've done, uh, in the Low Tox Club because we're talking uh, allergies at the moment. She comes with me everywhere because she is that packed full of wisdom. So, Shalani, I've made you blush, I'm sure, across the interwebs there. But can you please explain, just for the people who don't know you, how you came to be doing what you do today from a rather more traditional medical background yourself? Sure. And really, Alex, it's all lovely what you say about me, but gee, the pressure's on. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have performance anxiety. Um, (laughs) Now, you know what stress causes. We we can't can't go there. Okay. So I, uh, yes, as you said, I'm from a traditional medical background. Um, My father's doctor, my mother was a nurse educator, and then she went on to do law at the other extreme. From there, when I finished, I was always interested in natural health. And I must say that mum and dad, where we were concerned, didn't 
hand out sort of medicine straight away. They often went to traditional uh, remedies first. We're from uh, an Asian background and so mum would often concoct something on the stove or um, as I like to tell people and they're a bit shocked, but dad would give us creme de menthe if we had an upset stomach. <laughs> but it seemed to do the trick, but today I hate creme de menthe, so I don't know if that has anything to do with that. But I went on to uh, early childhood education when I left school and was a preschool teacher for a few years. And then I did the travel around Europe thing and then came back and did nursing. So I was really in the medical model at that point. And then I had my children and um, my last child was was quite ill from the time he was born. He was born early. And by the time he was three, he was resistant to all but the big guns in the antibiotics and um, just constantly sick with respiratory type infections and things like that. And when they went to school, I thought, oh, I wouldn't mind. I started getting a little bit interested in in looking at a different way of doing things as opposed to the modern medicine thing, especially because of what was happening with my son. And because I'd always been interested in natural health, I thought I'm going to go and study naturopathy, but it was just for the fun of it. And so I just studied each diploma one by one, massage, nutrition, herbal medicine. And But when I started studying it, people started asking me questions and, you know, I by the time I did the nutrition or was nearly finished doing the nutrition, people said, oh, could I come and see you about this or that? I've got this problem or that problem. And before I knew it, I had a clinical practice and um, that was nearly 20 years ago and the rest is history. The rest is history. Now, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so anxiety is a massive topic and I've brought you on to discuss this with us, A, because uh, you always have a, a wonderfully positive way of spinning things and you always make us think about what's really important in terms of the things we need to assess in our lives and anxiety is affecting so many of us. Can you just share how you started to see it increasing in your practice first to begin with and, and any of the common things that you saw happening again and again in the people who would present to you with anxiety? So the, it's a huge topic, as you say, and then it's not because it's there's a multi-pronged reason for a lot of the you know, why people will get anxiety. So I guess initially I saw I saw an increase. It was only a couple of years ago. Oh, no, it's a little bit. The initial increase I saw seemed to do a lot with um, with just society um, expectations. And, and um, I don't know if there was some correlation with um, not so much social media as such, but, you know, the whole body image thing and, and living up to expectations and, and that sort of thing. So it was very much um, on that level of the way we think, you know, our thought patterns and, and that sort of thing was was having the seemed to be having the biggest influence on people's anxiety causing their anxiety. In more recent times, I started to see a correlation between people and their diet people, particularly women and their diet. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that had to do with things like the, you know, going low carb, low, low sugar, all of that sort of thing. And We've, we now have realised, and I realised the same thing had happened to me. Um, I'd never been anxious in my life. I was like the far, furthest from anyone who you would expect, expect to experience any anxiety. And I suddenly found myself, actually you and I both know Kitson, I remember saying to her one day many years ago, wow, I think for the first time I, I know what it feels like to be anxious. And it correlated with me doing going low carb for no other reason except that that was the trendy thing to do at the time and that was in about 20 
2009, 2010. Mm-hmm. And I didn't pick it up for myself. I picked it up in, in some of my clients first where I started to see this correlation. And then I realized, my goodness, that's your problem too. And once I started changing that around, I noticed a huge difference. So that's where diet can have a big impact on anxiety um, and, and call, or cause anxiety. Um, and that, that has that follow-on effect with your adrenals and your thyroid. That's why the anxiety kicks in. So an interesting thing that I've just thought about as you've said that is uh, and <laughs> I don't know why I always end up becoming a medical guinea pig in these interviews, but I'm happy to put myself out there being a bit of a grey area bunny myself. Uh, now, low carb is, is thought to be really great for people with polycystic ovarian syndrome that which I have. So I did that, but then I found it totally throughout my T4 to T3 conversion in my thyroid. Uh, But then I reintroduce more carbohydrates, even just in the form of bountiful veg. That's usually what carbs are for me with maybe a bit of quinoa and and because I'm gluten-free for allergic reasons. And then my weight balloons out. So what, it feels like that's a bit of a catch-22 there. What yeah. does one do when one has both issues? Well, so that would suggest like when you have something with the weight thing happening too, I, I don't know, there would be some level of inflammation going on mm. one could consider. Um, and then, of course, we might then want to look at the microbiome and what's going on there um, and just see if that's – if. <laughs> what you're eating is what whatever the state of your microbiome is or the the microorganisms that are in there aren't dealing well with with your higher carbohydrate foods that you're bringing in so like one so one of the things um I was going to bring up as well was it, with things like superfoods so quinoa comes under that and people sort of know me for having a bit of a, a not an anti superfood but you know just a cautious superfood yeah. uh, philosophy and that's because um, the main reason being because most people will never consider um, when things aren't going well that it could be the superfoods that are causing the problem yes. um, because it's superfoods and yet I have found so many people who are having issues with quinoa, with chia, um, one of the foods that causes anxiety for a lot of people is raw cacao, um, maca. Um, they're all things that um, when people are looking at, oh, my goodness, why could this be happening, uh, they won't consider that because that's healthy. Mm. But, you know, mm. we know people have problems with strawberries and spinach, so so it could be. Yes, so, so ma- why, and there is no food that is exempt from being no. being looked at is what you're saying. No, yeah. Mm. Right, yeah. So that could be, be the issue too and maybe it's the microbiome that needs addressing or, the, you know, the balance that's happening in there mm. um, could be the cause as well, yeah. It's so interesting, isn't it, how we revere foods, they get put on a pedestal straight away, every, you know, health blog slash uh, well-being magazine is, you know, coming from every angle with every possible recipe and it's so black and white, isn't it? Because as you say, we could be allergic to strawberries or spinach at the end of the day yeah, and absolutely. why should this new exciting food that we've just discovered from the tears of a faraway virgin be any different you know it could still not be a great food for us so that's, that's... right and, and look what's his, what is hysterical to the point of sadness really is that we then have what I call the true superfoods which are things like our, our traditional foods of you know eggs and uh, meat and raw dairy and seafood and, and all of that 
And yet we pregnant women are told, and lots of people are told, stay away from them mm-hmm. when they're the exact foods that, you know, are the right things to eat at that time for a growing child. Absolutely. And, it's like, you know, so we're making traditionally like foods we've eaten forever and that we're used to bad and then all this newfangled stuff good. Yes. And, you know, I think a lot has come from an awareness of factory farming around animal products being bad per se. I mean, of course, yeah. there are the people who just genuinely can't handle um, the idea of eating animals and that's absolutely fine <laughs> as well. There's always a healthy path that anyone can find within their own belief system and preferences. But uh, but I agree with what you say. It, it really is for so many people not actually an issue with uh, being an omnivore. They don't have a problem with that. But it, it's the learning about the, the horrible state in which so many of our animals are reared and, and farmed and slaughtered and the stress that they're put under. I mean, you know, as, as a wonderful farmer um, that I interviewed on the sixth show, I think it was Paul, and I was saying, you know, there should only be one bad day in a farm animal's life <laughs> if you are an omnivore. And, you know, the the... the the incredible nutrition that we can get from high quality, well farmed, ethical produce is 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 definitely not something to dismiss. Sure. And it's not only farming too. It's it's basically I constantly come back to is it the food or what we've done to it? Mm. You know. So it's it's the way any you know a lot of our food produced now is produced now is often the problem as opposed to the food itself. Yes. So you mentioned thought patterns and a rise in anxiety. What are we getting more and more um, negative about? What What's causing this this change in thought patterns? Oh, gosh, I'd be multimillionaire. <laughs> As I said, I think it's just, it's well, look, a study or a, um, an article came out last week, I think it was, that said that most women today, when women were questioned about their biggest concerns, their number one concern was their weight. Mm-mm. And it was their concern over higher than about getting cancer. Oh, wow. So that tells us a lot about, because, you know, we have this this utopia sort of figure that women want to reach with their, you know, six-pack abs and their, you know, no body fat and all the, um, someone said to me, I saw someone on social media the other day pointing out the line in her arm now from the, um, from lifting weights, you mm. know, that, wow, there's that. And, you know, that's what we're aspiring to. And I can, like, to me, it's, well, then it's easy why we're anxious if that's the sorts of things we're aspiring to. Absolutely. And, you know, there's obviously the stress of the modern workplace and demands on uh, especially women. That's right. And overscheduling, like we all have the same 24 hours, but there's a lot of overscheduling of our children, of ourselves. There's keeping there's that whole competitiveness which is just like an innate thing. I don't, most people don't even realise when when I'm giving talks and things like that and I talk about this, a lot of people have said that they've had light bulb moments where they've realised that at some subconscious level there is that level of trying to keep up and they don't see themselves as someone who needs to be the best or whatever, but it's just this insidious thought pattern that comes in because it's just we're sort of surrounded by it and we've got advertisers telling us that, you know, we need, we could definitely be healthier, happier, prettier, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And and here is the product that will get that for you. So, mm. you know, there's this insidious um, subliminal messages coming in all the time, having this effect on us without us really realising it. 
Absolutely. And what you've said there is basically that the answer to your happiness is out there. It's in this product. It's in this course. It's in this everything. And it's not inside us. And we're then completely disempowered and disconnected from what makes us happy when we're not looking outside, just just looking inside. And I think that's a huge part of it as well. And there is another thing, um, and it's only because I had a case of this a little while ago that I think is worth mentioning. And um, you and I are both very big on not doing the guilt thing and, and all of that. So one of the things I always say to people is you can channel your energy into beating yourself up about something or you can channel your energy into, wow, I've got this awareness now and look at what I can do about it, do about whatever the situation is. Um, and I felt it was important to preface that first, but this was with a teenage girl who um, was suffering shocking anxiety and early teens she was and the anxiety had started to be an excuse for her and there, there is talk about, you know, sometimes people can use things like this, again, it's at a subconscious level as a way of not succeeding or because they can't cope with things or whatever. For her, we got to the root of it being her parents' really unhappy marriage and they're arguing and and that caused such a level of anxiety for her. But when she had these anxiety sort of attacks or, or didn't cope and sort of went down in a heap, um, all the attention went on her. And it wasn't so much that she wanted the attention, but they weren't having a go at each other. If anything, they became a united force for her. Mm, wow. It's always going to be that sort of something, that's something to consider as well. Yeah. And I think it's about not being afraid to have the conversations and do the introspective analysis of what's really going on. So when we experience anxiety, it can sometimes be connected to our gut health. Can mm-hmm. you explain how that works? Well, we, we know that there's this gut-brain connection that we have yes. um, connected by our vagus nerve. And so um, that would explain, that explains things like why all we have to do is think about, you know, being nervous about something or stressed about something and we can experience it in our gut. So that's, you know, people suddenly get the runs or they'll feel butterflies or the knot in their stomach, whatever it is. So it physically manifests just from a thought. And that, that channel or that communication system works both ways. So we can also have some form of dysbiosis. So we've got, we know there's a lot of talk now about the microbiome, which is all these multi um, microorganisms that living in various parts of our body, but the largest microbiome is in our gut. And the, the communication, when that's out of whack, it sends the wrong messages through to our brain, which can cause us to be out of whack in the way we think and cause anxiety and, and things like that. So which is why a lot of people find when they do they do address their gut health, lots of mental health issues can either be relieved or, or end, like they, they just don't have them anymore. Mm, interesting. Now, um, anxiety is one of the most common uh, symptoms of pyrroles disorder, pyroluria. Can you talk yeah. to us about why someone might feel anxious when they, they have this pyrroles condition? So that's, pyrroles is a, it's a bit of a catch-22 and it's still, there's still a lot of contention about pyrroles, not only with the um, modern medicine people and the traditional medicine people, but even within those um, communities as well as to whether it exists, whether it's a condition or whether it's a symptom. It's because, you know, a lot of people, it's it's a term that's only just come up now. So most of myself and my colleagues who have trained all these like decades ago and whatever, it was never mentioned. Mm. The, so 
it, it tends to be a bit of a catch-22 because you can have a genetic predisposition to pyroluria, but it needs that trigger. Like most of it, all our genetic predispositions need a trigger. That's what epigenetics is. And the trigger for pyrols is stress. So mm-hmm. you might be humming along nicely making a hemoglobin, which is what where pyrols is connected. So you've got this making a hemoglobin, you've got these waste products and they get excreted. But when stress occurs, that pathway gets disrupted and as a result, those waste products don't get excreted properly. They recycle and they're taking up vitamin B6 and zinc and those sorts of nutrients that are really important for our mental health. And as and as a result, we're not absorbing those nutrients. And that's why when someone is diagnosed with pyroluria, they are given those supplements. And that's when they often find that they get some sort of relief. But you and then so then there's a contention of well have you got pyroluria for life or not and there are some people who say absolutely you do i don't necessarily think you do but the problem is are you going to address your stress because mm-hmm. if you're not then yes you are going to be on it on them forever because you just got this constant depletion of those um, nutrients mm. now stress can be something that physically occurs to you as well like a, a I mean for me I trace it back to having a really stressful birth and right. that sort of set off a chain of events for me in my health and you know if I look back that was when I started getting white spots on my nails that was when I started feeling yeah. a pang in my chest every now and then of anxiety which I had never experienced before and that's you know it was a real sort of moment where yeah. I, I felt like, as you say, like a, a switch was flipped, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. So you're saying that that could potentially be reversed? Sure. Well, mm. the, look, as you said, I'm the eternal optimist. Yeah. Um, other nicknames, Pollyanna. But I just, I think anything with any condition or any situation, there's always something that we can do. And so when it, and when it comes down to things like. Um, well, anxiety in any condition that occurs as a result of it, it's always good to go back to the source. And so with anxiety, we'd look at the source of why why we're anxious in the first place. Is it a physical thing or is it an emotional, um, emotional thing and try and do something about that? Other physical things. So when you were talking then, I, I'm just going to clarify in case I wasn't the only one who didn't get it straight. But when you said your birth, I thought you meant your birth. And then oh, I was- no, 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 no. <laughs> That's 40 years worth of trauma, which actually, if you wanted to go there, uh, my mum tried to push me out for 19 hours and I didn't right. come out. And I was an emergency C for almost identical reasons as my son, which right, could, be, there you go. That yeah. could be interesting from a psychotherapy perspective, I'm sure. It could, it mm. could, it could. And, they, and it's actually one of the things I want to bring up about emotions in our body, um, being stored in our body. But but, yes, yeah, so physical things – oh, well, I'll bring it up now because it is a physical thing. But one of the um, really interesting causes of anxiety be – I don't know if you've heard of a muscle called the psoas, P-S-O-A-S. Yes. Mm-hmm. And often and, – and that's um, often referred to as the muscle of the soul. And it's it, – the, sorry, there's muscles that are attached. I'm, I'm doing it. No one can see me doing it. There's muscles, <laughs> there's muscles attached along your lumbar spine, like um, your lowest thoracic vertebra, and they, and then it arcs towards the front of your body. So it's coming around from the, the back of the lower spine round to the front of your body and coming over the front of your pelvis. And it attaches into that um, the top inside area of your thigh bone. And a lot of people have really tight psoas muscles Uh and as a result 
and and it's believed that that's where anxiety is held. And I have to tell you, both from personal experience of of myself as well as a lot of people, that it can be almost miraculous for people who've had a long time of anxiety, the release they can get from releasing the psoas. Wow. So how would one go about that? Is it the foam roller? Is it massage? Is it yoga? Well, so there are moves in yoga, but it's interesting because if you have trouble with tree pose, it often, especially if you have pain when you're doing it or just have uh, trouble doing it, and that's what happened to me. I was doing yoga and I was quite fine with tree pose and then discovered that I couldn't do it. And it's because of that tightness that stops you from, from doing it. And so there are yoga poses that can help, but, I mean, personally it's probably a good idea to get yourself checked out by a chiro or osteo or someone to look at at why that's occurring and they can give you really good stretches there are stretches and things on youtube and and that sort of thing which you can try there's a stretch um there's a pose thing i do where i lie on the ground and i bolster up my shoulders a little bit and your ribs are sort of off the ground and the whole idea is to just relax into it and eventually you find your ribs go lower into the ground uh, because you're so relaxes so it's yeah it's just a really um interesting point because often we're looking at 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 taking supplements or doing therapies and different things like that and that's quite a simple but it can be really traumatic for some people to do they can cry they can resist it because of the emotion that's held in there wow and i really believe that because i've released a couple of muscles over the years with an osteopath and my chiro and when they're really working in there it's not necessarily that it's super painful but there's just something so intense about what's going on that you do just want to cry and i have so that really explains that interesting Hmm. So, you know, don't look just to supplements or, you know, needing to lie down and do a meditation yes. um, as as a way of releasing anxiety. There could actually be meditation while I'm doing it. So mm. for me to just lie on the ground and have that try and release so that time while I'm and I'll just meditate because the whole idea is to, to just really relax into it. So while I'm meditating or just breathing really deeply is a good time to do it. Um, and, and the other thing you could do, you could get sort of a double whammy because one of the other good things about, um, and I'm probably skipping ahead a bit is, um, to help with anxiety is, is grounding. And so if you did that out on the grass or on the sand or whatever, you'd be getting that added benefit as well. Yes, definitely. And And vitamin in nature. Vitamin N, absolutely. And I mean, how many people in the city who live a, a, a sort of eight to six work <laughs> existence and then have little kids they've got to go, rush home to and five billion activities on the weekend? I mean, how many minutes of barefoot in nature time are we getting a week? And a lot of people think it's a hippie woo woo thing. But I can tell you now, after having interviewed at least. 50 people uh, where this subject has come in at some point in the interview, it is founded in many, many clinicians' practices as being one of the keys to helping us ground ourselves and relieve anxiety. So if you haven't tried grounding yet, kick off your shoes, find a park, find a beach, find the ocean, uh, find some soil, even if you've just got, you know, a little bit plot of, of soil in your apartment block, anything you can find to just ground with nature and it'll be really included in your day. My husband mm. will say to me, how come you, oh, he once said to me, how can you take your shoes off when you go, like my slippers, off when you go outside to hang the clothes on the line? 
And mm. I thought, because that's how I get to do some grounding, I get to connect with the earth with my bare feet. And he's like, oh, right, okay. So just, you know, so I'm still doing household chores and things, hanging the clothes on the line, bringing them in, but I'll make sure that I'm doing them barefoot. I'll water the garden barefoot, you know, that sort of thing, so that I'm getting that little connection. I love it. I often just um, take my shoes off for the walk down to school with the little guy and make sure I get the garden beds on the way down <laughs> because if, if it's a busy day and I've got to get back to back to home office and, and get started, I yeah. want to make sure I've at least had 10 minutes of, of earthing time before I do that. Yeah. So, yeah, you can always find time. You know, once you've realised it's something you should do yeah. and it's such a lovely thing to do and you really do feel so refreshed straight afterwards, even just five, ten minutes, then, of course, you're going to want to do it more and more and you find ways to do it more and more. Uh, I do, you know, silly things like a silly thing like if I've got to pick up my son at, at four or five, I'll pick him up. Five minutes early I'll get there and I'll just stand in the park for five minutes before I go in. And that's quite a nice way to finish my work day and welcome in the parent time as well, which I don't think we do enough transition work in our lives to sort of end one activity before we're starting another activity and and the acknowledgement that should come around doing that so that we're not in this state of blend where everything's just rolled into one big hectic day. Well, that's an interesting thing because um, I think Maggie's Dent has just uh, posted about it today about, and she talked about it. She was um, spoke in Sydney last week and I was, I went to hear her and she talked about the importance of or how in Western Australia there's so many nature grounds and things now and that it's really a great transition to allow the children 15 minutes to just run in nature or play in the nature and whatever from that time of finishing school to getting home and that also gives you that little bit of a time out as well be it to chat with other parents, to just sort of breathe deeply for a little while um, and just take that transition time for yourself and for your child and it can make a huge difference with children. And I know she, when she spoke last week about this, uh, something that really reminded me of my son who I just thought he was the biggest um, rascal when, you know, at home and I'd take him to school and they'd say he was just so wonderful. And then I'd pick him up and he'd be horrible again. And <laughs> I, I just of my own accord, I mean, he's 23 now. And I'd say, think, I thought to myself, you know what? He just has to try so hard being good at school that when he comes home, I cop the front because he just <laughs> relaxes. And they were exactly the words Maggie used, like said, like exactly what she said happens with a lot of children. And they just give you their worst because they've just had it so pent up all day and trying to be good for the strangers or people they're not as comfortable with. Well, we do that in relationships as well, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, you unwind, you feel like you can say anything, all the negative stuff can come out and you know, is that productive? It's it's right. interesting, very interesting. Okay, so so we have these busy modern lives. At what exactly is happening? What are some of the things that are happening to our bodies when we're in this state of anxiety? So when we so it, it's similar to what's happening, I guess, when we're well. There's physical things that we can all feel and see when we're anxious. Is you know we'll be increasing our heart rate, our blood pressure goes up. We might feel breathless, all of those sorts of things that are just, okay, you know, it might not be such a bad thing in the short term, though you wouldn't want to be doing them too often because, you know, they're they're elements of stress and small elements of stress on the body aren't such a bad thing. Sometimes they can sort of fire us up to get moving and, and go. But when it's to do with things like anxiety and we've got this constant low buzz happening, 
then we've got chemicals that are being re released constantly, like drip feeding out of us constantly that aren't very beneficial to the functioning of our body. Um, and it can cause problems both with our gut um, and our microbiome that we know is so important with to do with all areas of our health. It can have a, uh, effects on our cardiovascular system, on our endocrine system, which is all our hormones. So there's some of the things that can happen when you're having the an, an, in an anxious state. Right. And I mean, <laughs> that's what's wrong with society in a nutshell right there. You've said cardiovascular issues, you've said hormone issues. And I mean, if you look at what's happening to us as a, as a people in the Western world, at least, is many, many more people are having cardiovascular issues, despite, oh. you know, everybody's efforts to do the right thing elsewhere. And of course, our hormones are all haywire. Fertility is on the down and... You know, it's it's anxiety is just such a huge part of this. So how do we actually, because, you know, someone out there who's experiencing anxiety, perhaps the low-grade chronic anxiety that you were talking about where it's just that steady release of, of chemicals that set off um, negative reactions in various forms and to varying degrees, how do we actually shift the paradigm? Because we might be thinking, but I can't change my life. That would mean I'd have to quit my job. How do we actually start to become less less anxious? Is Do we have to quit some things and let things go? Well, probably sometimes we do. You know, there's a saying, you you can have it all, just not all at once. Yes. And, and I, I think today we are trying to be everything and do everything and keep up all the time and or sometimes it's just a matter of shifting things around a little a little bit and and again some because you know it's it's one of the things I often say about supplements too someone will come to me with this whole bag of supplements and I'll say to them so why are you on these and it'll be this this gradual thing of well first I went to this naturopath and she put me on these ones and then I Auntie Mary said that this would be really good for the cramps I was having and then I read that dad this would be really good for and then so they've got this they've collected all these supplements over a period of time and they just keep taking them and they don't know if they're working or not or whatever and it can be similar with our lives that we sort of we're, we're working at one level and then we have children and so now we've got other things to continue with and then we take on you know doing courses or activities, extracurricular activities, be it us or our children, and, and we're just adding on and adding on more things that to our lives. And we, we don't sort of step back and go, hang on a minute, let's do a bit of a re-evaluation here and see what are the things that I'm doing that are serving me and what aren't? What what can give a little bit? What brings me joy? Uh, th that sort of thing. Because I mean, ultimately, you know, life's not meant to be hard. It's meant to be joyful. So don't do things that don't bring you joy if you can avoid it. Mm. And, and and it's a real case of crowding it out slowly over time, isn't it? And just raising that sure. consciousness and thinking, actually, every time I say yes to that particular catch-up, I walk away from that coffee or that get-together feeling negative or feeling worse yeah. about myself and, and really just raising the consciousness across all activities and, you know, I think sometimes we just have to work, we've got to do the work we've got to do to get the freedoms we want to, you know, jobs aren't always an easy one to, to go, okay, fine, you know, I'm, I'm answering the calling of lowering my anxiety and I'm quitting my job but I have no plan. <laughs> so we definitely don't want that happening out there. But, I, yeah, but I, I really think that there are so many things that we say yes to at a, at a, well, I've just, you know, someone asked, so I say yes. 
and we over-yes ourselves to the point where we get ourselves either completely over-scheduled, which causes anxiety in itself, or scheduled with certain things that we actually don't even want to be doing in the first place if we were to really slow down and think about whether we enjoy that activity or not. And it's an interesting thing because it's something, it's been a, a, a work in progress for me. And one of the things I started doing was saying no, but uh, without without anything that came after the no, which is the most important part. But people started seeing me as busy. And I thought that was really interesting. I'm, I'm like, well, I don't feel like I'm busy. And what it was, was because I was saying no, and there was nothing that followed on from that, um, people just assumed that my my diary was super full with, you know, work and, and important things. And they were important things, but they were important like having a coffee with my one of my closest friends that we always make a point of doing every two weeks, a mum from mother's group, so 26 years later we're still friends, and that's my debrief. Uh, little things like that that are really, really important to me. But I'm unfortunately we live if I say, well, I because for me to have this catch-up or for me to go to yoga or whatever, that's what I'm going to be doing instead, people sort of are like, oh, hang on, you haven't got your priority. But as far as I'm concerned, I have my priority. Absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, priorities are really – it's an interesting word, isn't it? Because someone was saying the other day – I was talking to a couple of friends and they were talking about, oh, those people who schedule everything in. And, you know, and and I, I didn't contribute and I couldn't figure out why I didn't contribute. And, uh, you know, and they're always saying no. And <laughs> I thought, hold on, I, I, I actually think I'm that person. <laughs> And I refuse to go out more than two nights a week because, you yeah. know, for work functions or social catch-ups, it will never be more than two while I have a small child because my priority is actually him. And mm. and that's not a bad thing. And missing out isn't actually missing out because it's just a different priority. And uh, And I think often scheduling and really being conscious of what we want to say yes to and what is therefore not possible because you've already said yes to that and that and you won't do a third night or whatever it looks like for you in your life or what your priorities are is actually a really beautiful thing and I find a lot of freedom in having a great schedule that, you know, on Monday I will never have a meeting, never ever because yeah. that's my day to, you know, prioritise my week, to have some creative space, to th manifest what I want to create for my community on the blog, who I want to interview in the podcast. It's my, it's my spacey day. I love yeah. having all that space. And it doesn't mean that I don't think something else is important. It's just that Monday that's not going to happen. Nothing is, in fact, other than what I have said is going to happen. So, And I, I believe that helps me be less anxious because I do have anxiety tendencies right. for the pyrroles imbalances and, and for, you know, having probably the biggest scaredy cat dad in the universe uh, right. growing up, right. uh, you know, and that's something I've, you know, been trying to shake myself all my life. I love my dad dearly, but he is terrified of everything. Uh, he's just one of those jumpy people. Oh, no, 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 don't do that. You know, he's just that's how I grew up. And, yeah. uh, you know, I think of my my daredevil friends who were allowed to run rife and do crazy things growing up and, and they are fearless individuals. They never 
would once think that walking along at night would be a dangerous situation for them in the city of Sydney. Me, on the other hand, I'm looking behind, you know, I'm like a ninja in the streets making sure everything's okay or I will get the cab to, to take me right to my door um, even if I'm sharing one and the other person's down the road. It's just that conditioning of my yeah. psyche. I, I don't believe it's a gut problem. I don't believe, you know, I just think sometimes we are the product of how we grew up. That's that really stepping back and having a, and looking at and, and really embracing who you are and what works and what doesn't work for you. Like you were saying with the scheduling and, and all of that too, I'm someone who I need routine. So just recognising and embracing who you are and and if it's not working for you, putting in strategies that'll, that can help you get over those sorts of issues. Great. So how in the minefield of information on the internet does someone start to take the steps of really thinking about what might work for them? Because again, if we come back to what we said right at the start, we always think the answer is out there. And sure, it's good to look out there, but I think we always have to be very mindful of what out there is in relation to us, our own priorities, our own situation. How would you suggest someone go about starting to implement some anti-anxiety strategies? So, as, as I said, the first thing we have to do is work out what the source is and yes. we aren't going to know the source until we stop and just check in. Uh, and I think that's one of the biggest obstacles to our well-being today is that no one checks in with themselves. So it and so it's got it's like this whole what is it um having a swarm of bees and trying to trying to or a swarm of flies and trying to swat them with a pencil you know it's sort of <laughs> you yeah. you're just just fluffing around trying a bit of this and trying a bit of that but if you just stopped and really checked in and this is why it is just so important and I know there's so much woo woo around it and it, it's really unfortunate because. Not only myself, so many people have seen the benefits of, you know, what I call setting your compass in the morning. So just mm. taking that, even if it's the minute you open your eyes, so just deep breath and checking in with yourself and checking in with the way you're thinking. You know, are you thinking anxious thoughts? Are you thinking stressful dread, thoughts of dread and that sort of thing? And then the onus is on you to turn that around. And that, that can really set your compass for the day. But also just checking in with yourself. So that's that's a good way to just start your day. But then taking moments out where possible. And look, for some women I get, it's the only time they get is when they're sitting on the toilet or they're standing in the shower. And even some women don't get that. But, you know, of taking that time to really sit with yourself. And I'm not talking about 30 minutes or whatever, but even just like two, three minutes while you're walk, watering the garden or whatever and just checking in with what makes you feel good, what may, what could be the source of things that trigger you, just those sorts of things that can give you an idea of whether uh, of, of where to begin because if you can get an idea of what's causing it, then you have a better idea of what to start with to help yourself. And there are so many things that, that we can do to help ourselves. As, as always, for me, it always comes back to the breath. So long, slow, deep breaths help present, prevent anxiety grounding that whole vitamin n thing of nature is a really wonderful way of uh it feels very consoling and embracing and and um nourishing almost of being in nature in some way even if it's just as i say lying on grass i know it's been made fun of but literally you really can get so much um comfort out of hugging a tree i've done it and <laughs> seriously it's, it's shut your eyes and really tune into that tree it can be one of the most calming things you can do. 
Things like um, essential oils often help people a lot with, um, as you would know, with dealing with sort of anxious episodes and things like that. And things like bark flowers, uh, often people, if they take bark flowers for a little period of time or some of the flower essence, they find that that helps get to the root of problems. Sometimes things bubble up and then they're able to deal with, with what's going on for them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, dance is a wonderful thing. Dance is something I've got into a lot, which is a great release. So these are all physical sorts of things that you can do. And then there's the more supplementary type things. So if you've tuned in with yourself and you really believe that it might be a nutrient deficiency or, well, let's go still on the emotional level. So homeopathics could be helpful still with the, um, essential, with the emotional level of anxiety, if that's what the source is. Um, but it can also help if it's physical as well. Mm-hmm. Then we've got things like various the various nutrients. So with pyrols, we're looking at things. And whether it's pyrols or not, we're looking at things like the zincs and the B6 and all of that. But all of that, as you know, I always say go to a practitioner, get tested first because you don't be taking anything that you don't need. And remembering that something like magnesium that a lot of people are deficient in as well, that's a relaxer. And it's not just a relaxer of your muscles and things like that. It's an overall relaxer. So mentally it helps you relax as well. So be it magnesium baths or if you need to be taking a magnesium supplement, that's something that you could, once you've checked in to see whether you know, what you think your source is, that might be something that can be really helpful as well. And given so many people are deficient in magnesium and given it's a relatively safe one to supplement with, uh, you know, without seeing a practitioner, I mean, one of my favourite things is the magnesium cream and I'll pop it in the show notes, but you literally just pop a little bit on your um, on your hands, rub yep. them in your palms and make sure it's on your pressure points of your wrists. And I swear to goodness, it really does straight away just make you feel ah and and calm. It's just beautiful. Mm. So, you know, that's just something anyone can do from today. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. That's a good one. And also it's things like just checking in on what you're doing, how you're living your life. So this morning I was walking, um, we're fortunate we live uh, on the beach or not on the beach, we live near the beach, and I was with, there's an esplanade we can walk that is literally, the water's right there. And I'm walking along and it's just beautiful. You know, there's the ocean and it's all lovely. And the amount of people I saw looking at their phones while they're walking, like they've got their full gym gear on and all of that, you know, and they're going for a walk and they're looking at the phone. And look at the, like you are surrounded by such beauty and you're looking at your phone. There's plenty and, of time to look at your phone during the day. But it's automatic. Yeah. I think for yes. a lot of people, it's an automatic thing. So it's either you don't take your phone with you if you think that you're going to be drawn to do that um, because, seriously, you know, phones have only been around 20 years. So before that we managed for, for the, the 20 minutes or 30 minutes you go for a walk or whatever of not having your phone on you. So so maybe looking at, at what we're doing um, subconsciously that could be increasing our anxiety as well. Do you feel that uh, phone use, especially smartphones, has given rise to anxiety in some of your um, clients? Absolutely. And I know, mm. I know, I, I say that with confidence because we, just like we do with food, we do an elimination diet, we do it with, the, with social media and with the, the devices and the what people experience, they themselves are shocked. And that can just be, it doesn't have to be a whole weekend. It can even be things like going for one hour. Mm. 
and people start to feel angsty and, and all of that about not having it with them. And I say to them when they're starting to feel that, that's when you need to in, increase the time to another hour to see if you can counteract it with feeling calm by not having it there. But just yes. like that definitely, absolutely, uh, without doubt, can can contribute to our anxiousness and stress. I know. And that's that harsh truth, isn't it? I think everyone's gone, oh, damn it. You yes. said the phone. <laughs> but I, I, mean, I know I, because I work online and I, I mean, there would not be a day that I wouldn't have less than, say, 50, 60 notifications across the day. That, and that's a good day um, in Facebook. And I love that. I love working for my community. Uh, but I have found that what I need to do to then make sure I get my own time, again, it's a scheduling thing. It's just being conscious of what that can do to you to know that you need to disconnect from that in the first yeah. place. And for me, that's when I go and do the school pickup and whatever I might do after school, uh, you know, we might go to the shops or we might go and have a little afternoon tea somewhere or we might just go for uh, a little walk uh, and I just don't take the phone with me and yeah. I, I spend that time connecting with my son, having a chat about the day uh, and it's just not even an option because it's not even in the bag and I really find that helps uh, me. That's right. And I think like with some people I've said to them, you know, when they've gone, oh, you want me to go without my phone? And I say to them, you know, just the pro the the fact that that's a problem suggests it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Darn you and your wisdom, Shalani. That's no fun. <laughs> so, oh, as I can just give you the tools. What you choose to do with it is your business. Mm. So. So something that occurs for a lot of people who do experience anxiety is this irrational sort of phobia stuff, mm. um, you know, whether it's uh, spiders, a particular type of spiders. I know I experience it less and less now, thank goodness, because I've really worked on it. But there was a time in my life um, that I was irrationally terrified of huntsman spiders right. to the point of paralysis, sweats, um, getting the runs because I was so anxious in my body, as you said, you know, that. It's that um, gut-brain connection. Uh, and, you know, for someone else it might be flying. Is there something we can do around phobic anxiety? One of the oh, – before I tell you, i just got to tell you this. I just heard this on the radio the other day. You'll love it. That in our lifetime, while we're asleep, there will be 30 occasions where a huntsman spider has walked over our face. <gasps> Gosh. <laughs> Thanks for that. That's uh... – that's anyway, excellent. So <laughs> to help relieve the phobia of that, um, one of the things that I'm a big, uh, big fan of is EFT or tapping, emotional yep. freedom. Thing. So that's something that is excellent for phobias. And I've just over the years, uh, I've been a practitioner of that for about 10 years now. And over the years, the things I've seen it help with is just phenomenal with addictions and with post-traumatic stress things and with phobias of uh, there was actually a, a number of years ago on tv they did uh where people were scared of spiders and they did eft like tapping with them it was just a generic like a 60 minutes type tv show or something and the people did tapping and then were able to have spiders crawl on their hands and whatever without any problem so i wasn't spiders it was snakes so EFT is something that I recommend people look, you know, in Google there's the tapping solution and there's so many videos on YouTube where you can tap along with people and you just put in what your problem is or what your phobia is and can tap and that's a really wonderful thing that you can do. Oh, how exciting. I'll pop a couple of examples of common phobias and, um, and tapping videos in the show notes for everyone. 
Yeah, mm. great idea. So that that the one is the one that main when when you're talking about phobias and and there's lots of therapies that you can do with psychologists and things like behavioural therapies and things like that too. But obviously you'd have to go to a psychologist or some sort of uh, practitioner to help get assistance with that sort of thing as well. But there are things that we can do when it comes down to phobias. So there's mm. the equivalent of like a desensitisation type thing um, with phobias as well but you'd have to go to someone who oh uh, maybe there's e-courses and things where you can do it for yourself as well mm. but yeah and they, they've proven successful for a lot of people hypnotherapy works for for so many people mm. um so that's another thing you could look at doing as well as far as those sorts of therapies and things for phobias as such Yes. And I think, I, I mean, the reason I wanted to mention phobias in relation to anxiety is because a lot of people think they're an anxious person, mm. but uh, it could actually just be that because of your phobia at a self subconscious level, maybe you're walking into every room looking for a spider in all the corners or maybe, you know, if you're doing that throughout the whole summer, spring season, Absolutely. that's a lot of energy that is causing an anxiety that actually if you address a phobia, that is the the root stem of your anxiety, uh, then your anxiety could well go away. So it comes right back to exactly what you said at the beginning, which is address root cause first and foremost, because it could be many different things. It could be either a trigger emotionally, it could be uh, nutritional imbalance, it could be phobia, uh, and and then there are so many tools that we have to um, deal with the various types. So. Yeah. Our best defences against anxiety long-term, as you said, obviously getting to the root cause. Physical movement is something you're quite big on, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but but the anxiety can be caused by not enough and too much. Mm. Um, I think there's a difference between movement and exercise. And exercise is really dramatic and, you know, especially endurance stuff or or really going for it five days a week um, without a break. You know, anyone in, in fitness will tell you that the magic happens in the rest days. So mm-hmm. so just being conscious of that, but not moving enough can also be part of the problem because they say that motion follows emotion and vice versa. So moving, um, a lot of people who have depression or have, um, or, or have any anxiety, they tend to not move as much, even though they might be the fidgety, irritable sort. It's not actual whole body movement. So um, that's where things like yoga can be really uh, helpful too because it's more a gradual introduction into the movement. Or just taking a beautiful long nature walk. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Well, thank you so much, Shalani. I think that we just covered so much there and hopefully for everybody who's listening to us today uh, who has experienced anxiety in one form or another or is experiencing it right now, that has given you some ideas. Uh, Shalani, is there something you'd like to leave everybody with today? Um, what could I leave? Well, you know, I think the most important thing because anxiety we tend to see more to do with things like our thought patterns and the way we think is and and the lack of connection that we have with ourselves, I'd really encourage everyone to embrace themselves and their uniqueness. I think today a lot of anxiety comes from trying to be a, a, a clone of someone else or a, a, a certain look or whatever. And there's a saying it's better to be a, a, a first-rate example of, of you than a second-rate example of someone else. And I think just to own yourself, to know yourself first and to know um, own yourself and be loud and proud about who you are, it's also a great example to your children. And something I posted the other day that said, be the adult you want your children to be. Oh, that's beautiful. 
So I think that's a really like again, it comes back to that whole connection thing of um, knowing who you are and and just owning it. Own it. I love it. I mean, what could be two more powerful words to finish a session on anxiety? Own it, own who you are. Thank you so much. Uh, Please remember everybody to go to the show notes. We've popped a few extra resources there. And I will see you, Shalani, no doubt very soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Alex. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. Check out the show notes at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And if you wanted to maybe share a quote and something that really jumped out for you, you can find us on Instagram at lowtoxlife or simply hashtag lowtoxlife across social media. I absolutely love bringing you the show. Thank you for any of the star ratings or one-line reviews that you guys have left. It helps me know what you've been loving and what you'd love to see more of. I'll see you next week. Jack Rabbit FM for your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.